0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of Anatomy of a Chef. I'm your host, Mike Howell. On today's show, I'm pleased to present Chef Katie Button. Katie was a semifinalist for the James Beard Rising Star Chef Award from 2012 to 2014 and was actually a finalist in 2014. She also received the nomination for Best Chef Southeast in 2015. Chef Button was one of Food & Wine Magazine's Best New Chefs, of also of 2015. You would think, with all of those chef awards and nominations, Chef Button has been living and breathing food for most of her life. And you would be wrong. Chef Button actually has a master's degree in biomedical engineering from the most romantic city on the planet, Paris. So this talented chef was... Born in the South, raised in New York, and actually got her degrees in Europe, in France. So she's um she's no slouch when it comes to the Smarts department. She's she's pretty much she's done a lot. She tells us though how she took a complete left turn into the culinary world. And she talks about a fluid dynamics class she was taking up in Cornell, because she actually got most of her degree work done in Cornell University. As well, it's kind of a humorous uh, story. Now, along with her husband and her parents, they own a Spanish tapas restaurant called Curate and a second venue called Night Bell. And that Night Bell is a contemporary American-like small plate restaurant with craft cocktail bar and lounge. And both of those are located in Asheville, North Carolina. So if you're in the North Carolina area, you may want to check these out. We talk about a couple dishes that she has created with a unique modern twist. And one of them, of all things, is deviled eggs. And it almost has very little egg yolk in it, but she makes this description of how she creates these deviled eggs, and it just sounds just amazing. We talk about um, her favorite tools in the kitchen, other than a sharp knife. Those are kind of, she only doesn't have one. She has many that they use in the kitchen. We talk about the three herbs and spices she would choose for a year if she had to. And also, what has become more important and less important to her in the last five years? And she has a two-year-old daughter, and you can bet that having kids makes things that were way important five years ago and not so important today, and she kind of goes through that as well. She also shares the most important lesson her father ever taught her, and the reactions that she got when she actually told her family that she wasn't going to pursue her master's or a Ph.D. and forego the, the career choice that she had spent so much time and energy on. It's a pretty insightful, insightful story. We've got those stories. We have much more. And without further ado, I present to you Chef Katie Button. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Absolutely. I wanted to kind of um, get a sense of the restaurants. When you walk into, is it Curate? Yeah, Curate. Curate and Night What is When you walk into Curate, what is the sense that you get? What's the vibe? What do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear when you kind of walk into your, your establishment?
1: Absolutely. Well, it's really, um, it's really energetic. Um, when you first walk in, you know, you walk into a space that's our got our kind of vermouth bar concept and jamoneria with the Spanish hands hanging, and you come into like a high-feeling bar space with a lot of people and um, sounds of chatter and people cooking, because right around the corner, we have a, Large open kitchen, so you um, you know you you kind of feel that and the energy from the kitchen and the bar um, are filling the space and making it I think feel fun and exciting and warm.
0: Oh, that's awesome! And Night Bell kind of kind of a different vibe to it.
1: Yeah, so Night Bell, you know, when you first come in the door, you're not quite sure what you're coming into because our host. <laughs> Area is um, is on the floor below, so we've got this kind of entrance, and then you walk up a staircase um, into the dining space, and it opens up into this beautiful dining room um, where you can see, you know, the chef expediting, and our amazing, you know, wall of liquor behind the bar, and nice. our uh, cocktail, you know, bartenders mixing up drinks and people dining and enjoying their time and um it's a little bit more laid back i think as far as feel energy feel like maybe more intimate at night bell um than than the frenetic energy at but um it's 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 fun and romantic and exciting
0: that's awesome Uh, i I was kind of reading some some um, other interviews and stuff about about the restaurant, the Night Bell and stuff. And you said that um, Night Bell gives you the opportunity to kind of serve modern twists on classic American bar food? Well, what yeah. Your, yeah. What's your definition of modern twists? Because bar food to people so, is, you know how bar food is just fried right. food.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I mean, I have to say, uh, at Night Bell, we're doing much more than just bar food. It's a, you know, full restaurant um, Mm -hmm. dining experience where we have fun with local ingredients and focus on kind of regionally sourced um, Appalachian cuisine. And we change our menu really frequently. But there's a core set of our menu that are these kind of uh, our version of bar snacks. Like, for example, um, our deviled egg is nothing like, the typical deviled egg that you would get. Instead, mm. we take uh, corn and we cook it down into this wonderful like corn puree and then whip the corn puree into um, whipped egg yolks and we oh, make this hot, light, fluffy corn sabayon that then we're serving on top of um, uh, some cured local trout. And um, we serve it in like an egg cup, so it's like an eggshell with the top cut off. Um, with a little bit of trout roe and the traditional, you know, uh, paprika. We use Spanish paprika because I love pimenton, Spanish paprika. And, <laughs> um, and you get and you eat your deviled egg with a spoon. So it's it's all the components of a deviled egg, but um, totally thought. And then yeah. yeah, another example would be like a Caesar salad. So you wouldn't think of a Caesar salad as being a bar snack. Um, and we were thinking, well, how do we make that? Um, be edible with your hands and in a couple of bites Um, so we we take jicama and we slice it thin into these rounds and use jicama as like a crisp uh, refreshing vegetable and we slice it really thin so that you can fold it like a taco shell and then we fill that taco with the Caesar salad or the the jicama shell with a, a Caesar salad with a premium Spanish anchovy and you know, I mean, it's kind of a nod to the fact that the Caesar salad was created in Mexico, and you, mm-hmm. you know, you you pick it up like a taco and eat it in a few bites, and it's, it's wonderful and
0: surprising. That that is so clever. How did you how did you come up with something? How did you come up with that with the, using the jicama as a as the shell? Were you just kind of playing around with stuff? Or no,
1: I, I honestly I can't take like. 100% credit working at uh, <laughs> working at working for Jose Andres, you know, uh, he he would use and also um, Working at a in Spain for Fran Adria You know both of them would use this technique of I mean, I think Jose learned it from Ferran This technique of slicing fruits or vegetables super thin so that then you could fold them into oh. little Raviolis or purses or something uh-huh. they weren't doing tacos, but the idea of um, the technique is the same and so um, it just came from my past of you know I think we're a sum of all of our experiences on what we create Absolutely. so yeah. I usually just you know random thoughts into your head from past things that you've seen or eaten or cooked and um, and that's what kind of ends up on the
0: plate. That's that's what I love about that's what I love about my show actually <laughs> is talking to, to chefs like yourself that use these ingredients in really unique ways even though you've learned them from some very 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 talented chefs out there it's just kind of taking it another to another direction it's it's I love the creativity of the whole thing basically is I guess what I'm trying to say I think that's just thank fun. you
1: me too I love it it's a lot of fun um, to create something different unique and a little bit whimsical
0: yeah do you get involved with um, like the nitrogen or some other um, scientific crazy stuff in the kitchen yeah absolutely
1: I mean I, we we do we use we use it in um, in our restaurants of uh, liquid nitrogen and and other like scientific techniques we usually use it in a way that it would be hard for you to know that we're using it um, okay. it's used it's usually used as like a tool to make uh, production easier or to do something that you couldn't mm-hmm. really do um, without it, and um, but um, or it would be more challenging to do without it. Like we can keep things super cold and manipulate them for our desserts. Like um, we we make for one of our banana split desserts at Night Bell, we make these house made like strawberry and cream dipping dots, and it's basically like us dropping strawberry. Mm-hmm puree into liquid nitrogen It makes people frozen um, spheres, you know, and it's a cool Mm -hmm. texture and technique when you eat it in a dessert, you know, it's refreshing and delicious, but um, you might not necessarily know how we were able to do that, and um, yeah, the same thing goes with, I mean, uh, using sous vide techniques or um, whipped cream siphons, I mean, we use them to uh, sometimes make our lives easier in service. Like, uh, for example, we can hold a beurre blanc, like our dipping sauce uh, for Hush Puppies, which is pretty much a beurre blanc, which is a sauce that's packed with a lot of butter mm-hmm. and um, just barely emulsified. It's like holding together, you know, uh, it wants to separate because of the amount of butter in it. And then we use. Um, uh, we, we put it in these whipped cream siphons and hold them hot that way and it, it keeps the emulsification longer oh, okay. um, for
0: service. So, you know, we, we use them that way too. Gotcha. That's interesting. Well, I I, I mentioned that. I mean, You came um, to being an executive chef, owner, in kind of like a really roundabout way with a master's degree in biomedical engineering and what have you. Can you take us back to the time where... Y- you spent all this time in the sciences and realized, you know what, I really have a love for the for the kitchen. What was going on in your life that caused that shift in your career? Can you take us back and t- kind of take us back? And sure.
1: Talk? Yeah. So, you know, I was, um, I mean, it, it, it really comes down to that it really started the year that I was working on my master's degree. I had I graduated from Cornell with, you know, a degree in chemical engineering and biomedical engineering, and I um, had no idea what I wanted to do and couldn't get a job. I interviewed for a couple of jobs and couldn't uh, interviewed horribly because. When you don't really know what you want to do and you really don't know what a chemical or biomedical engineer actually does for their living, um, (laughs) it's like really hard to answer interview questions enthusiastically. So uh, I was one of those graduates, like lost graduates, having no idea what to do. So um, what do many of us lost graduates do? We decide to keep Studying, uh, so that was, you know, I of
0: course.
1: <laughs> let's just get let's just get further down the, the rabbit hole. So, right. um, so but I, you know, I was a little different. There was part of me that knew that I wasn't a hundred percent uh, solely interested in what I'd be studying. So I was looking for interesting places to do it in, and I found this master's program in, that was kind of in collaboration with Cornell. Um, in Paris and I applied and got accepted and I did my master's in biomedical engineering in Paris and it was really there even though you know I, I did pretty well on my on my master's degree but um, mm-hmm. I spent my entire time cooking and I was oh, surrounded wow. by amazing products and markets and a city that's in love with food and wine and you know I I you know racked up some students credit card debt on cookbooks and buying <laughs> whole fish and things, you know, that um, I think everybody has to learn at some point in their life. And, um, you know, because uh, I had a really small um, student stipend at the, right. <laughs> at the time. And, um, you know, but I, I cooked the entire time that I was there. Uh, I made my own bread. I was teaching myself how to make fresh pastry, you know. Um, I made caramels. I, I was, like, going through the gamut of, like, culinary school cooking you know right. <laughs> on my own um, <laughs> on the side and and um, it was a really you know I loved that I think it's what really got me through completing that master's degree was being in Paris and loving what I was doing on the side so even though uh, the lab work and my thesis and everything that I did was interesting I it, it it was i definitely had to push myself to make it happen and and i applied for a job in a lab after that in baltimore and then decided oh well i guess it makes sense after that to apply for a phd program mm-hmm. because yep.
0: i that's don't know
1: i was right. <laughs> right that's what you do and i was headed down the path of academia or something and i think i thought i wanted to teach um, oh, okay. but i I'd, I'd forgotten about the fact that teach you have to do research that like teaching (laughs) is like right you know that's a very important component of it and Mm. I it it dawned on me right before I was about to start my PhD program that I just really didn't enjoy the research piece of it and um, I had done a couple of things that year there were a couple of moments you know that year that were turning points one I, I Decided to take a trip and um, go to Africa with Habitat for Humanity for a month and oh, okay. build houses with mm-hmm. a group of people. And when I was there, you know, we were all, everybody was kind of talking about their lives and what they were doing and why they decided to do this. And I think it was me in a way thinking, I need to break my routine and reflect a bit. And I was shocked at seeing all of the families and kids who, in at first glance to me it seemed like they had nothing you know Um, they were living in like uh, thatched huts and Mm -hmm. you know just kind of getting through their day of water and food and work and um, I was surprised at how happy everybody seemed you know dancing getting together the entire community you know eating meals together and the children running around just like thrilled with <laughs> life. And and I thought, Oh my God, I've had every opportunity in the world, you know, to do whatever I wanted to do. I went to college. I had the opportunity to get a master's degree. I could you know, I had really every opportunity, um, to be happy and I hadn't found it yet. And um it, it dawned on me that I had been profoundly unhappy for the past couple of years and oh, just wait. kind of Using cooking as a way to um Cope. get me through it, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that was you know when I decided right after that that I really needed to um make a change, and <laughs> I came back and quit my p h d program two weeks before it started um and then um immediately got a job as a server at a restaurant um Mm. i think i just knew i didn't know at that time it wasn't like i knew that i that i was going to cook it was more that i was fascinated by the food and restaurant world and i knew i loved food and dining out and and i knew i loved cooking but i wasn't sure what direction i wanted to go gotcha and i um i i kind of pulled out the the Zagat guide um, in in uh, in DC, and was flipping through the top restaurants, and then going around with my resume, you know, looking for a job, um, okay. really anything. And you know, they're reading my resume and has absolutely no restaurant experience or, <laughs> or, or professional. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think I put my like G R E score on there because I thought, you know, oh well <laughs> whatever. You know, I like got a master's degree in things <laughs> and maybe maybe that would I, I think that uh, hurt me more than <laughs> else. Yeah, no. But I but I um but anyway I um a manager at Cafe Atlantico Mini Bar, one of Jose Andres' restaurants they had a really amazing way of testing people who walked in the first thing they would do when you walked in with your resume instead of just leaving your resume and you leaving they Uh would hand you a test they'd hand you a test and you know i saw a test and i was like oh my god a test awesome (laughs) i have taken tests for a long time um i can do this (laughs) right so i started filling out the test and they had a, a whole section on food knowledge and wine knowledge which you know, I, I, um, I aced because I'd just been so fascinated by uh-huh. that and loved cooking. I didn't do so well on the restaurant terminology section, oh, okay. but, you know, I think he saw something, knew I was um, passionate about food, and decided to give me a chance. And that was kind of the beginning of my restaurant career.
0: You probably saw that you were teachable, too. Right, yeah, that. probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, all that schooling is for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <coughs> the, um, why did you, the sciences, did you pursue it because it was easy or because you were interested in the sciences back in high school?
1: No, it was more that I pursued it because it was um, – it was the hardest path to go on. I mean oh, okay. I, um, I, I basically um, when I was graduating high school, I'd done pretty well at math and science. My brain kind of just worked that way and, and those were the yeah, and those were the, uh, the areas that, that I was excelling in at school. So <laughs> it, it, you know, engineering seemed to make sense. It was a solid career. Everybody kind of told me that if you did engineering, you'd get a job. Um, yep. Even though i didn't really know what that meant or what an engineer actually did, but I figured <laughs> well <laughs> i 'll get a good job when I graduate yep. um, so that was really the reasoning behind it and I, I always thought a challenge and um but when I went to um my first week at school, you know I started out engineering and chemical engineering and i i thought I was really interested in biology and, like, genetic engineering and Mm -hmm. biomedical engineering thing, and they didn't have a field dedicated to that at Cornell at that time. Um, So I remember asking my advisor, you know, to do uh, a minor in biomedical engineering, you know, while I was there, and he looked at me and was like, you know, that's really one of the hardest paths that you could take here, and I was like, great, let's (laughs) do it. You know, yeah. um, so
0: um,
1: that was really, yeah, how I made that decision.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not good at that kind of stuff. My daughter actually has her degree in mathematics, and she's like an anomaly in the family. <laughs> it's like, we don't know how it came about. That's why it's kind of interesting if it was if it was the sciences. But it's, you're a good example of um, just because something is challenging – and the challenges which you find, which you enjoy, isn't necessarily something you should pursue as a lifelong job, career, whatever the case may be. So those people that are going to law school or medical school because they think that that's where they need to be, um, don't. You're a good example that you don't necessarily have to be there.
1: Exactly, and I think you know, I I, I wish in hindsight that I would have. I mean, I'm not. I don't regret the schooling that I did. I mean, it 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 created who I am, and um, definitely has made me, I think, uh, successful. It has a part in my success in business, but um, the main thing, uh, I wish that I would have taken a year after I graduated Cornell and, you know, did something else just to think and figure it out. I also wish that when I was getting into my junior year at college, you know, and That's when you really get into the meat of your Mm -hmm. courses for your major, right? And I wish that I would have said, "Oh my God, I hate fluid dynamics. Why am I doing this?" (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And, um, but I, you know, you have this fear of, well, I can't switch because then I have to stay an extra year, and you know, like, like or or two, like so. You get in and you feel like I can't do that, like think of how much that's gonna cost, and right. everything but in in hindsight, I would say um to people who are in college and maybe having those thoughts is you know you can the you can figure it out, you know <laughs> like right. the i i like don't be afraid to to switch and ask yourself those tough questions, and I think too often we decide to just to a path that we're on um, because we don't want to start over again and be behind or something like that, um, but um, in the end, I think it's better to just face those questions as they come, you know, and yeah.
0: Yeah, um, make the tough it, decisions. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is um, disappointment. Who are you going to disappoint? Yes, yes, absolutely, Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a big part of it. That's a huge part of it. I think is like your parents are like, my daughter is going to be a biomedical engineer and yeah. really proud and and what have you. And now she's a successful chef of two amazing restaurants, which is better right. in my opinion. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yes,
1: it's yeah. true. And it was you know when I made the decision to switch and quit my PhD, I it was the first time I'd done it without asking my parents. Like oh, wow. like I like thought and. I just called up and um, burned the bridge and then, and then told them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a moment for me where I was like, it wasn't that they were guiding me down a path and not listening to what I was saying. It was more that I needed time to think on my own about yeah. what it was. And while they'd been giving me great advice you know, I, I really wanted, it was a moment where I really needed to do that alone. And um, they really, I think it shocked them. It was hard for me when I first was working as a server, you know, to go back to my friends who were in law school or medical school or, um, you know, and working in investment banking or, you know, um, moving up to buyer in a big clothing department store and, you know, things that were going on um, in their lives professionally. It was really hard for me to say, to go from saying, I'm starting a Ph.D. in neuroscience and watching everybody's reaction about, oh, my God, that's amazing, (laughs) to I'm a server at um, a restaurant in D C you know. And (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. You need those jobs and things, those, those stepping stones to get where it was a very important stepping stone for me to get where I am. Yeah, And I am so glad that I did it.
0: I, you probably, I don't know if you've talked to these friends since or not, but you may be more fulfilled and have a more rounded, enjoyable life than they are on this treadmill of investment banking or being a lawyer in Manhattan or whatever, which to me, is just doesn't sound like any fun at all.
1: It's fun. <laughs> it's People. It's fun true. to some people. So yeah, if yeah. you find it fun, that's great. But it is true. If you don't, then you probably shouldn't be doing yeah. it. <laughs> Very, <laughs> you true. Very true. Um,
0: you were, you, when you worked at El Bully Yes. The, the Bui, um, you say that it, it still heavily influenced your cooking. How did that working there influence your cooking? Or your cooking what were you doing previously and then how did that transformation kind of happen to you when you were working there so
1: so I was um, I had been working at the bazaar in Los Angeles um, as a, a line cook uh, for Jose Andres and you know then I went and worked at, and I'd done an internship you know at, at um, John George in New York in their pastry department and um, but when I went to work at El it was really, I was, you know, I showed up as an intern and the other interns or stages who were working there um, at the time, I mean, they were, a lot of them were chefs of their own restaurants or had been cooking for years and, you know, this was um, a dream of theirs and uh, I definitely felt like the, Person with the least amount of professional experience in uh-huh. the industry, so uh, I had a lot to, um, <laughs> I don't know, live up to or compensate for, or, or, or you know what I mean, or pr- I wanted uh-huh. to prove myself, I guess, in some way, and um, I worked really hard when I was there, and you know, I realized it took the fear out of it because I realized that as long as you are passionate about yeah. it and driven and hardworking and paying attention to details and you follow instructions, it was just the perfect environment for me. Oh, cool. And um, it was hard and intense and long hours and a lot of high expectations. But, um, you know, I the one thing that I had kind of told myself is that I can learn anything, you know. And yeah, sure. um, uh, yeah. that turned out to be true, you know. I mean... Uh, if if you can, that's really what I learned when I was at El that that if I put my mind to it and I just do it and dive in, um, that I can learn anything. And um, the other piece that I learned while working there was, they they have amazing systems and organization in place uh, to have that restaurant run. Yeah, um, it was awesome to work there because you got to see how the machine operated. They had, you know, I don't know, the sous chefs and the the Mm -hmm. head of each kind of station in the Mm -hmm. restaurant, in the kitchen, they were salaried people who were returning year in and year out, but everybody else, everybody who was working there, they were all brand new interns and stages each year. So it was like opening a brand new restaurant, and they would do it with a new menu, and it was it was just um, incredible to see how their systems and organization um, made that work. Right. You know, it, it didn't. It left nothing to be questioned, or um, you know, <laughs> the recipes were super precise and um, easy to follow. Um, and it just, it just really changed the way that I thought about restaurants and organization and it's helped me as a business owner and chef at organizing our own kitchens in both of our restaurants
0: do i don't recall did you attend culinary school or no no i did not
1: yeah i had i you know when i switched careers it was like oh my god i've done so much school can i (laughs) you know (laughs) i don't think i can go back to school um i wanted to i would have Enjoyed it. Uh, it. I just once I started working, you know, from that first job, things doors and opportunities yeah. started opening, and and then and then it just led to me never going to culinary school. It wasn't necessarily a
0: plan, but gotcha. Gotcha. Um, it just kind of happened that way. Yeah. The reason why I was asking was I was wondering how much of that machine in the restaurant is taught in culinary school i know they teach the cooking and the business side of it but i don't know how if they chart if they teach that kind of to me it relates to the military i've never been in the military yeah yeah it's very these are your processes and then this is how it's done and we will not Mm -hmm. uh, vary from this this is the way we do it if you don't like it you can go someplace else but this is the way we do it Mm -hmm. I i wasn't sure if that was taught in culinary school, that's why I was asking
1: if you when I was going to... You know, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure. Seeing the students that come in and work for us um, who go to a culinary school program, they 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 tend to get a little bit about that organization, so there, there must be some aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they understand the following instructions piece, because oh, okay. that's, you know kind of what the, what's happening to them at culinary schools. They're constantly having to follow instructions. So that mm. that is, um, so I do think there is a component of that. I don't know that they get it. I don't think, the one thing that I think that they don't necessarily learn as much is the ability to do all of those things and do it with a sense of urgency.
0: You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, Which good point. Is, so I, to me, that's a component, and that's almost... Um, I think it can be learned to a certain extent. I also think that uh you know, your brain you have to train your brain to be constantly thinking about the next thing and not yes. while your hands are doing the current task. Um, and your uh, is,
0: yeah, your mind is what has to, what's coming up behind me and what's going right. this is going to next, plus what you're doing currently. And oh right. yeah, make it perfect every time and do it yesterday. Make it fast.
1: Exactly. And, and the other component that, you know, we're, I try to, I work hard at teaching everybody is um, anticipating problems before they happen, yeah. right, and communicating that. So I'm constantly thinking, okay, I see something in the walk-in cooler that is maybe, you know, halfway over on a shelf from where it normally is, mm. and I'm going to, like, take that item up to the line because I am thinking in my head, because this isn't exactly where they usually put it, I bet you anything they have the wrong date, and they've like fifo which is first in, first out, their right, product's right. wrong. You know, And you're you're oh. just like, every minute you're thinking and trying to prevent potential problems and issues right. and thinking about all the possibilities of things that typically go wrong. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, which is... I guess that just comes with experience and doing it and but it also takes um, I think it's a mindset. I don't think can you let me ask you this do you think that could be taught to someone or do you think it's kind of already in someone to think that way? I think it's already in people yeah
1: I mean I have seen I have seen some people improve, but typically if it's not a strength of theirs, there's a limit to. How far they can get, you know. Yeah. I have I have seen some people, you know, when they work really hard at it, you know what I mean, like improve in those areas. But yeah. it is true that 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 speed and ability to think about the future and potential problems, um, some people are definitely more um, adept at it, yeah. um, just naturally.
0: I agree with you. What is, What advice would you give a new culinary graduate, if one is is coming to you or was only spent six months with you or what have you
1: I would say um, the biggest thing that I would say is is not to be afraid to ask questions I think that lots of times people who and and I think I see this more in culinary school students than those who didn't go to culinary schools but um, they tend to want to prove that they have learned and know how to make everything. Oh, and the you know because they're trying to like they, you know they've put that time and effort in their training and they and they tend to want to um show you that but um the way that you you know make mashed potatoes in one restaurant and the way that it's made in another um can be totally <laughs> different, you different. know. Yeah. Like entirely different. Um I remember at Night Bell we had this dish with a um, waffle batter, and I have a, a young woman in there, and she's, you know, and I'm like, yeah, so make the batter, and later we're going to show you how to make the waffles, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she was trying to take some initiative, and she made the batter, and she started putting the waffle mat- batter in the in the iron, you know, in the in the waffle iron, and it was like, I appreciate you trying to take the initiative, but we're going to take that waffle batter. We're gonna throw it in a whipped cream syphon first, aerate oh. it, then put it in the waffle <laughs> iron and make waffles like you've never made waffles before. you right. know, so it was um you know it, it's just an example of nobody I think chefs I'd much prefer when somebody before they do a task, ask for somebody to show them how to do it once oh, okay. and then okay. and then when they're working on it you know, b- like nice cuts or something, you cut a few pieces of pepper, you show it to your chef and be like, is this what you're looking for, and right. then you continue doing the whole batch, yeah. and I think, and and just not being afraid of what you don't know, I think right. is the, okay. is the the bigger thing, which I had to learn since I didn't go to culinary school, I had to ask a lot of questions,
0: yeah, and yeah, be sure.
1: very humble about what I knew and didn't know,
0: yeah, That's probably another (coughs) good advice, too, is kind of be humble about it. Mm -hmm. What is it – let's take the the waffle batter as an example. If you were to say to the person, make the batter, typically (coughs) – excuse me, goodness. Hey, you make the batter and then run it through. Then we're going to whip it, and then we're going to make the waffles. um, I guess even if you told them that, they probably still wouldn't do the process as they beforehand.
1: wouldn't do it no, because they need to they need to see it once. Gotcha. Okay. You know, that that's the important point is that um you need to wait,
0: ask, and
1: see it first if it's something new, you yeah. know. So um
0: Um The uh, an executive chef like yourself, if someone I guess the only uh, I mean a capable new would be able to watch you do it once or twice and be able to execute it like as you wish yeah. and I'm wondering what exactly your, I'm wondering what your reaction is if they constantly are asking you can you show that to me again can you show that to me again or can you show me can you show me I guess after a few times you kind of get your yeah
1: mind, there's, your own head there's a point
0: get it. yeah
1: right I'd say you know it is true it's like Three times is about the limit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, three is, is definitely the magic number. It's about yeah. it's about when you start thinking, Okay, maybe we need to think about other cats that <laughs> you know, this person is better at. Right. And um and what and, and you just start evaluating one thing I've learned is trying to evaluate people's strengths and that there are um people who have minds and, you know, uh, they function differently, and everybody's got different strengths. And once you can hone in on what those are, um, you know, it makes for a happy team.
0: Well, they can be a real asset
1: to the team. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: exactly. exactly.
0: You're not – almost every chef that I've interviewed has pretty much said something to that degree is it's it's a challenge finding where someone's strengths are and weaknesses are and putting them in where they're strong, building That's that it. Yeah, making that, like, second nature and then kind of adding a little bit more into it if they want to, this is a, a career. That's
1: exactly it, you know, yeah.
0: I think that's a, that's a great way to, to kind of move things along. So I was kind of um, curious, other than a sharp knife, what kitchen tool can you not live with and why in the kitchen?
1: Um, I mean, in my... uh. There's, gosh, I've got so many. You're going to make me pick one? (laughs) Well, no, no, no. You
0: can (laughs) rattle them off to me. Tell me what they are.
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, some of my favorite things in our restaurant kitchen are, um, one is our, I mean, our cryovac machine. We use that. It's like a vacuum sealer, you know. We use that a lot for everything. I mean, it really helps us keep things organized and tidy and, um, you know, when we freeze them, can freeze stocks and things like that in nice little uh, tidy packages, and mm. um, it protects the products and it's amazing. So that's a big one. It's another cryo- one. I'm sorry, you said cryovac. Cryovac. Okay. Yeah. And then it's like a vacuum sealer, basically. Yes. Um, but it pull it pulls a vacuum, you know, out of a plastic bag and then right. seals it mm-hmm. shut, you know, with whatever product you have inside. Mm-hmm. And then another one would be our. Um, uh, um it's like a Japanese, it's called a, uh, it's a Japanese um, uh, can opener, it's oh called a, a Gainji can opener, it's the best can opener in the world, Oops. I mean, I want to throw out every other can opener um, really? that exists uh, in the whole world, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> and it's a, it's a manual one, you uh-huh. know, it doesn't have any mechanism or. Wheels or anything, but it is super heavy duty. It's really easy to use and it's super easy to clean. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and they never break. So um, they're. Think I think G-O? it's G A N J. I think it's an I or it's a okay. Y. I'm not sure if it's G A N G. G A N J I or Y. I'm not, I'm okay. not sure which the I'll last letter out. is, but
0: I'll try to link okay. it in the show notes. That's kind of cool, interesting. Okay.
1: <laughs> and then the final thing is my um is a Vitamix blender. I have the I mean, we have a bunch of them at the restaurant. We just picked up a big one um, to blend our soups and sauces and things like that. And I mean, it's just like I I think that thing is. So helpful, and um, it makes things super smooth, and you can use it for a whole bunch of things. <laughs> almost <laughs> everything in my restaurant, I feel like at some point, goes through the Vitamix <laughs> almost. <laughs> so.
0: Do they? Does Vitamix make a blender? I know that you see the ones that are like in Costco or some of the other places. Do they make mm-hmm. an actual professional kitchen uh, model for you, for the professional kitchen? Do you know?
1: Oh, yes, 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 okay. yes, they
0: do. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I have a like an extra large one that um, mm. uh, is is got a huge container. Um, yeah, uh, so.
0: I bet that thing's a beast. It is. It is. <laughs> 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 That'd be awesome. Mm, if you had to choose three herbs or spices or both for the next year, what would they be? And salt and pepper don't count.
1: Okay. Um, it would be salt and pepper don't count. I would say um, fennel seed would be one of them, um, and then another one would be cilantro. And does does like the
0: peel of citrus count,
1: like or not? I'm like, oh, yeah. not? like, I'm lemon like okay, lemon lemon peel would yeah. be the third. For sure.
0: I bet you use that a lot, huh?
1: I do. I I mean, I put lemon peel in, like, everything.
0: Um,
1: Sometimes I need to figure out more uses, more ways to use the juice.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, here's one. Warm water with lemon in it every morning. You should do that every morning. It really, when you get up, first thing you should drink is a small, like, eight-ounce glass of warm water with lemon juice in it. it Really? Really? Yeah, it really helps your digestive system, and it kind of gets your system – your digestive system up and running a little more smoothly for the day. So before you have coffee or before you have anything yeah. else, like used to drink or something, it kind yeah. of eases your digestive system. and kind of gets it woken up, if you will, from sleeping all night. Right. And it tastes yeah. amazing. It really tastes good, too. So yeah. there, there's an opportunity with all that. That's
1: great. <laughs> <laughs> That's instead of just, like, slamming your stomach with coffee right off the bat,
0: Egg, which is yes. typically
1: – Typically what I do currently. <laughs>
0: so we well, do 99% of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. What has become more important or less important in the last five years? And it doesn't have to relate to food. It can just relate to any aspect of your life. What you thought was like you had to have that Vitamix blender five years ago, but now <laughs> you're using something else. I know. Else.
1: You know, I, I think um, – more important has been to exercise and find time for my um, family. Uh, I have a daughter too and um, awesome. you know so my schedule having free time with her and also taking care of myself have and sleep you know like um, going to bed or at a reasonable time those three mm-hmm. things have really <laughs> become extremely important to me um less important to me has been I don't know I would say I would say the thing that's less important is is um stressful situations I've I've um, oh,
0: interesting.
1: I think I've um, learned that when I have I've, I've put myself through a fair amount of stress you know and stressful uh-huh. situations and events and planning and things and it used to, it used to be, you know, it used to get me really worked up and um, tense and worried and uh, now it's just, it's just become less important. I mean, I just don't, it's like you only have so many hours in the day, you can get done what you can get done, you prioritize, mm-hmm. some things fall to the next day and it's less important and less stressful for me. To focus on, you know, not getting everything done. (laughs) So that's been something that I have learned.
0: Well, kids will do that to you too.
1: Yes, I think I think it's I think it's all related. You know, I think the focus on sleep and exercise and being at home (laughs) with my family and the ability to kind of go with the flow um, a little bit more is all related to having a two-year-old. Yeah. Yes. And aging, I think, also, just because it's a necessity um, that, you know, I don't know, I used to be able to eat terrible and, you know, go to bed late and sleep in and, you know, (laughs) get up and not exercise and feel great, and now it's like you do that and you feel like you – even if you didn't drink the night before, you feel like maybe you did. You know, because yeah, your body just <laughs> like feels like a mess. So, no, um,
0: yeah. Oh gosh, I can't agree with you more. That's the truth. Yeah. Crazy. What is the best lesson your father ever taught you?
1: Um, you know, I think he—he's the one who taught me, um, he always, like, whenever I was feeling stressful, I think he's it, it kind of relate because he is the one who always used to teach me how to put things in perspective and mm-hmm. calm and breathe. I remember once in college and talking to him about how I was stressed for, you know, um, finals and uh, it was that year that I, you know, had that fluid dynamics class that I hated <laughs> and wasn't doing that well and was really nervous about it and knew I needed to stay up late each day in order to tackle all the studying I was going to get done, you know. And mm-hmm. he was just putting it in perspective, like, look, it's seven days. You know what I mean? You have seven days, and you can get up every morning and go to the library and study all day and go to bed and do it again seven days in a row. You know, it's not um, an insurmountable, <laughs> you know, seat, you know. Um and if you know if you need to balance that on 7 hours of sleep each night well you can also do that you know <laughs> like right, in order right. to in order to make it through but it's only it's only 7 days so um Good um advice. i always yeah and then and then it's over right so yeah. <laughs> no matter what the outcome is and <laughs> you've done your best
0: that's the <laughs> point exactly exactly I do have a little challenge question I want to ask you here, and then we'll figure out how to get a hold of you, and I'll let you get on your way to tend to your family, exercise, and play with your little girl. Uh, you receive a request to cater a dinner party for 25 guests with a budget of $500, about $20 a piece. The menu is to include two hors d'oeuvres, two main courses, and a dessert. Describe the menu that you would create
1: two orders two main courses and a dessert okay well i mean i guess um on the i cheap. would do <laughs> on the cheap yeah i know so the hors d'oeuvres i would do would be um um tortilla espanola. it's like a spanish potato and onion omelet and i usually cut it up into okay. small cubes and serve it with and it's potatoes onion and egg you know, so I don't think you can get cheaper than that. Um, and no, it's delicious. delicious. And, <laughs> and then, or more delicious. And then um, and then serve it with pan con somate, which is a traditional dish from Catalonia. It's like bread, toasted bread, like ciabatta or something with um, tomato that's been um, rubbed on it. And um, it was olive oil and salt, and it pairs really well with the tortilla. So um, that would be the uh pass hors d'oeuvre option and then for the main course I would go with paella. Okay, it's oh, okay. rice, it's stock, it's uh for one of the main courses I would definitely do paella. Maybe it's a seafood paella um because you make the stock out of bones and you know the seafood you put on it could be whatever
0: mm-hmm. is
1: um On sale at the market you know squid or um, you know um, yeah squid is a great option actually um, because it's not very expensive Um, so you get a lot out of it Uh, so a squid a squid and squid ink paella I think is where we would go and then for the other main um, I'd probably pick a lesser Perhaps beef cut, you know, or do or do sausage with sauteed white beans, like budafaré com It's like a grilled pork sausage with sauteed white beans um, okay. on the side with an alioli, which would be um, really delicious. And for dessert, um, dessert I would d- probably do crema catalana. It's like a kind of like crème brûlée, you know, but um, it's uh, set custard. Um, I put berries sometimes in mine at the restaurant. We're currently infusing ours with pine needles and lemon, which okay. is really delicious. And uh, it gets that kind of burnt caramel sugar on top. So oh, um, yeah. that would be
0: my menu. That would be awesome. It sounds delicious. How can my listeners get in touch with you if they want to find the restaurant or come visit you in the restaurant or even follow you on so the social media? Absolutely.
1: So on social media, on like all channels—Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter—my handle is Chef Katie Button, and then our um, company website, or with both restaurants, is heirloomhg.com. So that's heirloom as in heirloom vegetable, and mm-hmm. then hg for HospitalityGroup.com. Um, and you can find Curate and Night Bell there. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Katie, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. had a great time. It was a wonderful meeting you. Um, good luck in service tonight, and have a great weekend.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Be sure to visit us at aoachef.com for all the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at aoachef. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.